What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols Fire Off Next Cars. I am Mike. With me is Kev and Lara. Ellen is here. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Hounds news uh, that came out over the past few weeks now that we're in 2022. But we also have a very exciting topic that Kevin's been holding on to desperately for, I don't know, eight You're months. You're building or so. this up way too much. And Lara <laughs> Ellen is just going to smack him down. So this is going to be Whoa. a really good time. First of all, Laura Ellen, it's it's great to see you. Um, I know yeah. we don't always have you on the show. We're having you on specifically because we really appreciate your your stat based approach to uh, research and learning and all of that. But I, I like talking to you. What's what's going on? What's what's been new with you guys? Uh, you know, not much. We have uh, made it into twenty twenty two. If you look up, I I did this today, which may have been a mistake. But if you look yeah. up the top like stressors in life um uh moving and starting a new job are are often in that top 10 list and uh we moved uh in 2021 and we both started new jobs and so uh just i mean i i don't even i think even people who don't do new new year's resolutions or goals of any kind may may reflect on the past 12 months and i was like oh it was a doozy of a 12 months. And so uh, I, you know, we survived, you know, on top of a pandemic, right? And everything yeah. else that's happening in the world. So, no big deal. Uh, you know, uh, very much thankful to be here and having a smile on my face and my team won. I was hoping Josh mm -hmm. could join us tonight. Uh, I mean, I thought Everton, anyway, we could have a, we could have a conversation about the <laughs> Everton Brighton game, but I was certainly happy that, uh, that, that we got the three points out of that. So yeah, I'm doing well. How are you, how are the two of you doing? I'm I'm good. Kev, what are you, what's what's new with you? I'm good. Yeah, I mean had a had a relaxing time off. Started work again this morning, and uh, you know, and dealing with this new. It's not new. It's been happening for a long time but yeah three three days ago it was 72 degrees here and we woke up to a snow-covered landscape uh this morning so i am like really yeah. ticked because everywhere around us is getting snow and we had like barely flurries like i know you got snow we have family outside of dc that got snow we have family in chicago that got we got nothing we got nothing and like we want to go out and enjoy the snow and there's nothing for us to it's funny, like down here, because we never get snow and because there's such little like snow removal infrastructure, um, I woke up and like, the, I don't know, like I live in an apartment complex and like the, the roads and parking lots around the apartment complex, you know, everything was, was like the roads were still warm enough where none of the snow was sticking to the roads, but there were still schools that were canceled this morning. <laughs> like, I was going to say, did, did you get in your Tesla and turn it on and it would just went, nope. And then just like shut back down again. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. No, but no. like the fact that like, you know, I'm growing up in Pittsburgh. I remember uh, it's like tough luck. You get six inches, two hour delay. That's the best you get. But yeah. Right. Back so, when I was a kid. Like yeah. I, you know. <laughs> listen, it took frozen pipes in our school for us to yeah. not have class. Like I, yeah, I yeah. So it does make me feel old, but yeah. Um, no, our, our, you know, we, we spent some time together as a family. It was good. You know, I'm sure to the surprise of no one, I ended up taking on a couple of different projects, uh, which was fun. B 
built a shelf, installed some lighting out in our shed so that I could do more projects. Um, tried to watch Aston Villa when I could, you know, games being canceled because of or postponed because of COVID. Um, and then them losing to Brentford, which was just ridiculous. But <sighs> we have good news to talk about. Um, let's, let's, let's transition off of like bad news, uh, as it relates to premier league, a couple of big things have come out since we last got together in 2021. First of all, um, well, I guess before we even get started, um, Laura Ellen, you put on here, any fun new year's resolutions goals for 2022? Um, I like the one, tell everybody what you have and then I'm going to tell yeah. you how I'm going to steal it. So go ahead. <laughs> Great. I, I think that's totally appropriate. So I will preface all of this. So one of my friends in Pittsburgh in 2021, he had the goal to bike, like on a bicycle, 1 million mile, 1 million feet of elevation. Ooh. And so like, I don't know if folks are familiar with the Strava Strava app but it tells you your elevation increase. And so he accomplished that. I think he got 1,000,000, some feet or something uh, elevation. He did the Mount Everest challenge twice, which is where you just, um, anyway. So he really inspired me. And I was like, well, I'm certainly not doing a million. I mean, cause he would bike, you know, hours every day. Right. And I just, can't do that. Everything is flat around here also. Anyway, so I thought I would do 1,000 miles of activity, including running, biking, uh, walking, which uh, most days I'm able to take a lunch break. And so I walk around uh, Lebanon, the thriving metropolis of Lebanon. Um, and so, yeah, so it works out to be 2.4 miles every day or 2.74 miles every day if you were to like do something every day my hope yeah, is yeah. once the warmer weather comes i can do a couple 20 mile bike rides uh you know maybe once a week or something so anyway i don't know so it's exciting um you can totally steal it i think it's just like it feels it feels like a stretch goal but it feels attainable and it's just like i just want to get outside more and just enjoy what's around me so I think that sounds great. There's a, um, I, I've talked previously about how we got to sled dogs, um, not like progressed to sled dogs, but we actually got the number two sled dogs. And the woman who organized does a fundraiser where it is uh, like run like a sled dog, bike like a sled dog. And the idea is to try to get as many miles as you can and blah, blah, blah. This feels like, you know, I always take something and like ruin it by making it too big, but this feels like this could be like a really cool fundraising thing where like we all say like, let's do a thousand miles and you get people to sponsor us. And then, but let's maybe for this year, we just say like, let's do a thousand miles each. And then like, we could sort of keep track and like keep each other honest. And then if it goes well, then maybe next year we like turn it into a thing. Um, or am I blowing this out of proportion way too quickly, Laura? <laughs> I took your uh, thing. I mean, a like, thousand miles. I, I was like, oh, a thousand miles because it sounds like a round number. I mm -hmm. think uh, if you're going from not doing anything at all. So my daily walks that I was doing, this is like very off topic, but it, they were like 1.3 miles. And so I just, I just extended the block radius that I was doing, but it is like a pretty significant commitment. It takes me about. 45 minutes to walk three miles 
um, each day. And so if you have that kind of time, then great. If you don't have that, you know, each of us have the time that we're able to dedicate to it or, you know, so maybe start with like, hey, let's do 100 miles this month or something or like over the summer. And maybe that feels attainable for people. I think anyway, I don't know. I you don't have to keep talking about this. No, no, no. I feel like I'm putting you on the spot. But how about if at least me and you spreadsheet and we'll just like keep track? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, no, cool. And then anybody else it. who wants in on it can let us know. But for right now, it's just me and you. Yeah. We'll start on that. And then yeah, we'll go from that. That sounds great. We let totally we can do that. Kev, as Kev as Kev like slides. <laughs> can you run like every other day? What do you like? You I do. do oh, wait, that, my, no, my I, I don't have anything. Like I don't track anything. So I just like I just do it. I was like, you I, know how whatever. far you run each day. Yeah, but but like, you know, it's all mental. It's not quantitative. It's all just like, oh, it was that. Okay. About that. You go on Google Maps and you connect the dots <laughs> and it tells you where? how far you've gone. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, I like, I love that as a, as a New Year's resolution. Otherwise, I don't, I, it's not that I don't believe in New Year's resolutions because to me, New Year's, I'm such a curmudgeon. New Year's is just another day. Like the boys were like, oh, we should stay up till midnight. And it got to like 10 o'clock. And I was like, guys, I'm done. Like it took everything in me. And we, we stayed up so that they could tell future versions of themselves. Like, remember that one time we stayed up past midnight? Um, but like, I, I, I'm i always trying to think of new things to do and new fun ways to progress and grow and all of that. And so I, I just haven't put anything down. Kev, have you made any sort of formal resolutions? No, I mean, I'm, I, you know, we're cut from the same cloth, I guess. I, I've, I've generally Literally. had that perspective. Yeah, I know. <laughs> of, you know, if you, you know, if you want to make a change in your life, make it. You don't need a day to tell you, um, you know, now's the time to do it. But, I mean, I do get, and I totally get and understand how it, this, you know, New Year's feel like a reset, and it's a, as good as time as any to kind of reflect and take stock. Um, and I, I tried to do that a little bit this year. Um, I don't, I don't usually write anything down. It's more of a check-in with myself, like of, am I doing the things that I want to be doing? If not, how can I kind of nudge myself in the right direction? And it's never really like on paper, do X, Y, Z, and then I'll be happy. It's more of a kind of like a, a, a self-check and be like, all right, well, you know, let's try to unbalance that and rebalance this a little more. And it's kind of things like that, but nothing specific. We're like way down the rabbit hole here, but um, I, I had this moment of reflection. We watched The Secret Life of Walter Mitty the other night, which I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Um, uh, ben Stiller is in it. He directed it. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, but it's basically about this guy that um, he's sort of in this job that he's okay with, but he often finds his mind wandering into like these fantasies of like this version of himself that he wish he was. And basically as the movie progresses, he starts to have these fantasies less and less because he's actually out like doing the things that he was fantasizing about before. And I had like this moment of reflection where I was like, I don't, there aren't a lot of times that I actually will fantasize and think about like, Oh, like, what if I was actually like this? And that to me is sort of an indicator that like, if I don't have anything to fantasize about either a, I'm not creative enough or B like I'm doing the things that I want to do. So I don't fill my head with these other thoughts of like, I wish I was blank. I'm just like content with where I'm at. So there are obviously things that we could always improve upon and work on. And there's things that I like, I want to build a climbing wall, but like, 
you know, outside of that, there isn't anything massive that I'm like, man, I wish I traveled more, or, you know, I wish I was halfway across the world or I, I just don't have those desires. So, okay. Now we're going to talk about soccer because everyone oh, else is, I'm sure. Thoroughly I just have asleep. one thing to add. I think <laughs> heavens, I think the Mongols goal for 2022 is that we all need to make it to a game this summer and Kevin should come up and Mike can come in and we will come in and we can do a Mongols live. And I think that should be our goal for, I'm I'm kind of making, yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm just making the strategic planning executive decision for the podcast. So you're welcome. So what we're going to do is when the schedule comes out, we're all going to jump on a call and we're going to like debate which game and then we'll circle it. And then, you know, when Kevin drops out, he'll have no excuse because he was part of that call. And uh, and yeah, as <laughs> as Steve is chiming in on the chat. Yes, let's do it. So Steve's fully in. Um, I'm sure Josh isn't watching or listening right now, so he'll find out about this later. And uh, yeah, we'll just make it happen. Speaking of the hounds, now that we're 15 minutes in, let's Good uh, segue. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple, a couple of pieces of news since we last got together, which I think was two or three weeks ago. We had sort of mentioned in the off season we were going to try to do every other week, um, but uh, as you know, the preseason ramps up. <laughs> March is going to be here before you know it. We're going to find ourselves in the position where we're going to be doing interviews with players and things like that. One person who we know we will be back talking with is Coach Lilly because he officially signed a new three-year deal, putting him here through 2024. I know at the end of the last season, there was a sort of wrap-up press conference and the topic came up of, you know, is there any MLS interest or anything like that? And he sort of laughed it off and said, no, there's nothing. You know, he's really intent on being here. And this really is sort of a statement of intent and in addition to him being here through 2024 the rest of his coaching staff are returning as well including dan vister who's been here since 2016 so at this point um i think the article said that lily is the longest tenured coach uh in the usl championship um which i believe it's now four years which you know sort of is the state of things in terms of how long coaches stay around but do you guys have any sort of initial thoughts on the fact that Lily is returning? Laura Ellen, you know, thumbs up, thumbs sideways, thumbs down. How do you how do you feel about Lily being back for another three years? Uh, so I, uh, about the ten year thing, I wonder if that includes Rochester. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it may just be for the Riverhounds. Um, yeah, I when I saw Lily's new deal, right, like. As social workers, we learned about social welfare history and we learned about the New Deal because of how important it was for the U.S. safety net. And so I was like, this doesn't feel as important as the New Deal, but okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know, right? Like, I, you know, I, I know that um, Mark had asked, I, I believe Mark was the one who asked yeah. about if MLS had come calling for Lily. And honestly, like, I'm like, okay, did we need to sign him for three years? I, I don't know. I guess my perception is that I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I don't know. I mean, let me couch this by saying that I don't really watch the MLS very much. I mean, I'll watch a couple union games here and there, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I think the USL is the right fit for Bob Lilly for his style of coaching, for the style of play, um, and for how he engages with his and manages his teams and his players. And so I, I, I don't know, I guess I wasn't really in fear that he was going anywhere. And so for me, it's like, okay, 
okay i i don't know i feel quite indifferent about it and maybe that's that's not hopefully that's not a bad sign no 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 i I don't think it's a bad sign i think not that necessarily caught me off guard but i don't even think there was talk of his contract expiring so the fact that it was like oh he signed up for three more years it was like cool like that's good like great like we have some more consistency kev what was uh what was your reaction to that news I think you guys are underplaying it a little bit. I think, I mean, he's 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 undoubtedly been our uh, the best manager we've had since we've been doing this podcast. And to hear, well, I mean, there have been two managers, and Dave Brandt was here for like a year. It does. So. Hey, I'm just we had let's let's make a platform, and then okay. we can build out okay. <laughs> from okay. this argument. But no, okay. I mean, yeah, like he's I. I, I I wouldn't want him to go anywhere else, I, you know. I'm I, I'm I don't particularly want any other manager. I think that so I'm I'm happy that the club have the wherewithal to keep him around, and he also, you know, has the intention of sticking around. And both parties agreeing to this contract, you know, means that everyone's happy, and that's good. But I, I I'm I'm kind of putting this out there. I'm not going to provide an answer or a solution to it, but I. I, I think I do wonder, and we have talked about in the past where I don't, you know, is Lily the one like, so Lily's the one who will get us in the playoffs every year. And that's great. That's that kind of stability, you know, to, to be a playoff team consistently over the course of five years in like implicitly increases implicitly and explicitly increases the status of your club. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people start relating you as a playoff club and that's good. And that's, that's important for us. It seems like sometimes it seems like, well, okay, can we go all the way? I don't know. You know, it, it, it can literally create a championship team. It, it feels like maybe we've fl- like kind of gotten close to that once or twice over, over his time here at, at Pittsburgh. But um, when I say once or twice, I mean that like in three week stretches, though he'll have a team where, you know, you know, we finished top of the t- uh, Eastern conference that one year and we felt good about everything, but, so, you know, is is he the best person to win us a championship? Maybe not, but he's certainly not the worst. And, you know, he I think there is a decent probability that, you know, in the next three years, if he stays here for the next three years, that we, we get a championship. Um, so I'm I'm really happy with it. Uh, I think, if anything, it shows that he's happy here. And I think that's that's important. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, there are, I think regardless of who the coach is, there's always going to be times where we question whether or not they're the right fit for the organization. But I mean, when you look around the league and you look at all the turnover, you know, uh, Red Bulls, uh, well, Red Bulls are moving down, not this year, but next year, but their coach is stepping aside. The battery have now lost their coach who they had forever. Like we are slowly establishing ourselves as sort of the, the, been there perennial favorites and like you said cap lily is sort of the catalyst for all of that so now the question is is you know can the team continue to grow under lily to the point that we can you know exercise some of those demons of like well can we get beyond the first round and we start to see that perennially so um 
So yeah, we'll see. I think it's good news. I think everybody's really excited about the fact that he's back, even if we didn't know that there was a chance that he wouldn't be back. It was just kind of like, oh, great. Okay, cool. He's still around. Um, Josh did happen to check in on the chat. He just said, sorry, I couldn't make it on tonight. I'm doing this in my best Josh impression. Sorry, I couldn't make it on tonight. Just want to say all good news from the Hounds. Great having Lily staying around. Great getting Griffin for another year. Well, thanks. What is that accent? That's like... That's my Josh. Don't you like my Josh? That's like spot on. No. If you closed your eyes, you could totally tell. <laughs> Without a doubt. I'm, I'm trying sure. to figure. It's like I don't even know. Because that that, <laughs> that accent is geographyless. Like I don't know where you're, where you're from. It makes no well, sense. Well, there you go. That was that was the point. No, do we know where Josh is from? Nobody knows. He grew up in Ohio. <laughs> He's from Ohio. <laughs> Ohio is geographyless. Okay. Okay. That's funny. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's move on. I guess a couple of other things before we get into, um, the, the rest of the, the main topic, the main event. So a couple of things, um, a couple of players have officially left. Uh, we sort of speculated about them leaving on the last show. Danny Vidiello is now in Sacramento. So he is going to be out on the West coast applying his trade as a keeper out there. So obviously best of luck to, uh, to Danny out there. We will miss him. Um, we got word this week that Preston Kilwine is now officially playing with the battery uh, again. Um, you know, I think some of us are, are are more upset about it than others, but at the same time, he wasn't really getting playing time. So if nothing else, uh, you know, at least hopefully he gets a few more minutes. So best of luck to Preston out there. Uh, the big news that, you know, Josh in the spot on impression ruined is the fact that today the Hounds <laughs> announced that Danny Griffin is officially signed back with the team. So Danny's contract was out. Um, and so he was not one of the ones that was able to be picked up on the option when the team initially announced all the players that were coming back. But it's official. He was a free agent for a very short window before he decided to re-sign with the Hounds. According to the press release, it said something about he's back for another year. No specifics on whether or not it's a one year plus an option or beyond that. But I think that Danny was definitely one of those ones that a lot of us were hoping would be back. So, Laura Ellen, what was your uh, immediate reaction to hearing that Danny is back? Uh, yeah, I am thrilled. He was the one, uh, I think, for the season recap show that I was most worried would be leaving. And so I am just really happy. I think he has really developed as a player and especially in um, playing one of playing that central role. And I think at least from my observations, it, it seems like he is not in the same way, but beginning to fill some of the, the shoes of Kenny, right? I think as Kenny continues to get older and perhaps play less, although I don't know. It seems like Kenny could probably play forever. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, you know, in the off chance that he's not able to play forever, I think if we're able to keep... In the off chance. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't... I, anyway. Um, what do I know? Um, yeah, I think that... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm super happy. I think this is wonderful news and, and makes me feel great. I mean, look at our midfielder midfielders. You know, you have it written here, Mike, right? Kenny, Danny, um, and Wharton. Like, that's amazing. Uh, I'm really happy with that. Kevin, what do you think? I, yeah, I mean, what? He, I think he had the most minutes played last season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
um, you know, so core to what Lily wants to do and what the side wants to do. I'm going to be a little I, I feel, harsh I, here. I, I, that breath makes me feel like something negative is coming, Kev. What are, yeah. you, what are you throwing Look, this way? No, I mean, I, I think he's... It's just, I, I think it's 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 hard to easily look at what Griffin, like... It's, it's hard to define how directly Griffin contributes to the overall team performance of the game. Like... Kenny, you can you can bring up memories of Kenny last, Kenny last season of brilliant assists and brilliant goals. Same thing with Ciceroni, same thing with Dixon. Um, you know, big saves at the back and defensive. But like when Griffin does his job well, it's almost like that you don't notice him. So he's it's this weird kind of like player. He kind of keeps things ticking over. He he keeps the ball moving. To me, like Griffin's not gonna. Griffin might make you know, a home run pass like twice out of six games or something. You know, he's not making big chances. He's not he's not scoring a ton of goals. He's just there kind of just keeping and he's not like a Vonky Azeal kind of cleaning everything up on the back line. He's just kind of this this like solid just box to box midfielder, which is important. I think he could be one of those like really important supporting units. Um whether or not we could get someone who does that slightly better and just has, uh, you know, one more thing to their game that, that, that like adds a new dimension to how we play is potentially arguable, but no, I mean, I, I'm really happy he's here. Um, I, I, yeah, I prefer him here than another team that we, that we play against in the Eastern conference. I think he's a good player. Um, I think Lily trusts him and I think this his teammates trust him, but uh, yeah. Just trying to provide a little balance. Well, this is a bit awkward. Let's welcome Danny Griffin to the show. No, I'm just kidding. He's not here. <laughs> no, I think, listen, I Danny was the one. I, I think that we as fans always have soft spots for especially the young guys that come up through. And Danny started here, basically was um, signed by, or he was drafted, I believe, by Columbus two years back. Didn't make it out of camp with them. Came and played with us as this unknown and you sort of see him rise through the ranks of being this unknown to, you know, literally played in every single game last year. So I think that he is sort of one of those integral cogs that just seems to fit the Lily machine like a glove, like a Kenny. And I think the more that you can have those um, not heavily celebrated champions on the field, like a Kenny, like, you know, even though Kenny is always in the conversation at the end of the year for, you know, USL team of the year, it always feels like he's not the one, he's not going to be in the goal of the year category. He may not even be in the assist of the year category. He's just like doing the work. And I think that Griffin is another player, you know, cut of that cloth, Kev, like you sort of said, and that allows us to fill in other positions with flashier players that might take a little bit more risks. Not that like Alex Dixon is risky, but he's definitely flashier. He's going to go for a Meg where he can. He's going to try to make somebody look foolish. And if you lose the ball, knowing that you have a Kenny or a Danny Griffin behind you to cover you is, is all that more important. So I'm, I'm excited my- to be back. I think my only thing is, I it might be the context and the timing of Danny's like trajectory and role in the team. Like for example, like I think Danny is in the same category as a Ryan James or a Vonky Azeal, and I just I think 
both of them maybe did that role better than Griffin does. And so I think that's why maybe I'm, I kind of have the perspective and outlook that I do is because I feel like we had two players, you know, what, two seasons ago that I think just did Griffin's role slightly better than what he's doing now. Um, so it feels in that way a little bit of a kind of step back. Once again, I don't think he's a bad player. And I, like, I'm looking forward to watching, you know, watching him play next season, and I fully expect him to you know, almost play every game next season. And I think with the right personnel around him, that could be fine. Um, but yeah, that's kind of I don't know, my outlook on it. I think it'll be very interesting to see how his role in the team continues to develop over this next year. I think the first year it was a bit of an unknown. They played him a little bit higher up the field and more of an attacking position. He was trying to make that final pass. And I think he had a pass that season that Lily called the most beautiful pass he'd ever seen. Um, and then this past year, I think that, you know, because of the other personnel on the team, he was sort of forced back into that holding position a little bit more that we all, I think, sort of assumed that Kenny would sort of take up and instead that pushed Kenny forward. So that was good. So to sort of see how it evolves in the year three will be very interesting. Um, you know, Laura Allen, you referenced it here a second ago, but when we look at the team as it is now, we essentially have a pretty attractive looking, you know, air quotes starting 11, aside from the fact that we don't have a keeper. Um, and I know you're sort of laughing as a keeper yourself, but like the, the fact is that having this base, if this is our base, this really allows Lily to go out and now build around this base and we could do some really exciting things. So obviously, like I said, no keeper, but our defense is basically all returning from last year. So we have Ezra Armstrong, Jelani Peters, Danny Rivera, Shane Wheat, and Mikel Williams. So they're all back. There's five guys there. And our midfield, Laura Allen, like you said, we have Kenny, Danny, and Todd Wharton. And then up top, we have Russell Ciceroni and, and Alex Dixon. So, you know, for, for... I like that a lot, yeah. I mean, for, you know, for a fan base that, especially after last year, we we're like, we're not bringing anybody back. And you look at Louisville and you look at Tampa and it's all about consistency. I, I think to me, Griffin was sort of the missing piece in that group that I would have said, like, well, let's bring as many people back as we can. And I think now that he's back, um, I think it's it's going to be very interesting to see what comes. Um, you know, Tuffy, as always, was on Twitter sort of hyping things up. And, uh, you know, in, in, instead of his traditional boom, he did booms, plural, and we called him out on it. And he, like, doubled down on the fact that there are more big signings coming. So I guess brace yourself. Who knows when they'll be announced, hopefully later this week. But uh, more that he's excited about. So that's that's whether that means more returning players or who knows. Um, you know, I think a number of people noticed how the Hounds wished Albert Dequa a happy birthday on Twitter um, the other day. So maybe Dequa is back. Who knows? But um, but yeah, so that's that's sort of the latest on the team news. Um, obviously, we still need to get a keeper and all of that. But that's what's going on with the Hounds. Let's get into the meat of the conversation here. Kevin, this is a topic that you have subtly brought up. I don't know, five or six times over the past year. And every single time you mention it, Laura Ellen raises her hand and goes, let's dance. Like, I want to do this. <laughs> um, so, Kevin, why don't you set the table and then we can sort of have a discussion and I can okay. I'll sort of like moderate. And I don't know if I need a bell to like give you each oh my time gosh. like how this works. But we're just going to have yeah. a nice discussion. It's all <laughs> <a good thing. laughs> okay. So, Laura, Ellen, if you want to like, you know. 
like slice me up here. You can't. <laughs> you don't have to hold back. I, look, okay, so yeah, no. The 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 thing that I've kind of teased around a lot is when when players when the ball goes out for a throw in and it's slightly contentious, and you know the player immediately turns around and like appeals to the ref that it's your throw or or your teammates or even the manager. Um, even when they, when it's like so obvious that it's not, I'm, I'm saying that that is akin to diving in the box and trying to win a penalty for your team. Now that I, I understand the kind of the, the value difference perspective on why that's kind of hard to appreciate, right? Like if you go in, if you go into like the Apple store, and you steal an iPhone case and walk out. There's a difference between that and going into the Apple store and stealing a MacBook Pro for $2,000. Like I get how there's a value stealing? difference there. What? So are you condoning stealing? No. Do you need like a, okay, all right. But yeah, I'm saying I understand the perspective of like, oh, one time I stole some bubble gum in a gas station when I was six versus like, you know, stealing a car ripped off a bank yeah yeah like i i understand that there's a perspective of like you know the 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 kind of severity of the crime can it can sometimes be um contextualized by like the value of of whatever you're trying to do taking that and applying it to the to the conversation around the game you know i get how there there's a much higher probability of a goal happening when if you win a penalty kick versus if you want to throw in so i understand there's a value difference there i'm i'm completely disregarding that and <laughs> what i'm trying to say are you and making I'm saying a moral the, the, argument yes what, okay like an like the, an ethical and moral perspective of the, the the core of what's happening is you're trying to knowingly deceive the ref to gain an advantage and in in that in that aspect, they're the same thing. Whether you 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 knowing that the ball came off you last and still turning to the ref with your hand up and then, hey, it's the same thing as you going into the box and you know diving to try to win a penalty kick. I'll finish by by saying you can even make the argument that it's worse than diving into the penalty box because. Whoa. Okay, because you can it there. It's more. You Is this can like take death the, by a thousand cuts? Like no, you could okay. <laughs> no, you could take the perspective that from, from when when you're perceiving the rules of you know throw-ins, it's more binary in its outlook on the rules. It's whoever touches. Whoever touches it last, that it's the it's the opposition's throw-in. Penalty kicks, there's a gray area, right? It's how much is you know how much contact is needed. Like if you feel the foul, and you just want to let the ref know that you have the foul, it would be a foul anywhere else on the pitch. I'm just trying to get a foul here, blah blah blah. There's more of a gray area when it comes to like tackle-based fouls, and it's left for interpretation. Refs, you know, one ref might call a game 
more strict or harsh versus another ref. So there's this, there, there's this gray area of interpretations when it comes to like winning penalty, like winning penalties in the box or, or winning fouls around the pitch for, for throw-ins cut and dry. Whoever touched it last, it's the other one, right? So it's there, there's no, there's no gray area when it comes to throw-ins. So arguably there's this kind of worse, you know, cause you're, you're, so anyway, that's... so hold on. Okay, I'm 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 gonna pass this over. I have thoughts. I want to pass this over to Laura Ellen because she came prepared for this. But I, it feels to me like your argument, at least the the second part of your argument, is almost that when there's a penalty in the box, the range of like knowingly trying to deceive the ref, there is an active range where it could be no, it's a blatant foul, and I'm not trying to sell anything all the way up to the guy didn't even touch me and I'm like rolling on the field in pain versus as a throw in the level of deception is either at max or not at all because you either touched it or you didn't. And that's it. There's, there's absolutely no room for interpretation and you're actively trying to deceive somebody and make them believe something that absolutely did not happen. Whereas in a penalty kick that could happen, but it doesn't have to happen all of the time. Fair. Yes. yes. Okay. Lar- but I'm also saying that's not that's not like the that's just like the second leg to my argument. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The other yeah, yeah, aspect yeah, yeah. of it is this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Laura Allen, I don't know if this was the premise that you came prepared to discuss, but I do know that you have been listening and researching and reading. I should say, um, as a precursor to anyone who has not listened to Soccer Better, make sure you go listen to Soccer Better because Laura <laughs> Allen does this a ton on there. But what are your thoughts on this premise that Kevin has laid out um, or just around this topic in general? Yeah, so I think um, I think prior to my reading, I uh, and probably prior to today, I would have landed exactly where Kevin is. Um, Ooh, and so okay. I think I'm going to walk you through my uh, thought process and journey and hopefully um, – you know, we can have a a good conversation and it won't take too terribly long and won't be too boring. I did make the comment uh, to Justin today that I find research just so incredibly interesting and fascinating, but I also understand (laughs) that most people aren't like me uh, and don't find it super interesting. And so uh, hopefully I can uh, present things in a way that seem uh, semi-interesting and compelling to folks. So I think as Kevin was talking and and has mentioned on previous episodes, I just find it so fascinating to think about it. And um, I'm not sure that it's a conversation that is uh, best served by the kind of scientific process or if it is better uh, discussed in a philosophy class or, or anyway. Uh, however, I am a scientist and so I wanted to see what the research said. Um, and I, I believe, Kevin, at some point you had talked about time wasting. And so that was kind of where my thought process went with it. But I think kind of where I eventually landed still uh, goes back to what you talked about today. So I found two research articles where they actually looked at time wasting in soccer. Both of them were published in 2019. And I can give the links to Mike if you, you know, if folks really want to Um read the articles themselves uh, we can do that so the first one um uh was entitled strategic rule 
heartbreaking, time-wasting to win soccer games. And so they did this like very robust series of analyses and had very pretty heat maps. Um, and by pretty, I mean um, scientists would probably appreciate them um, to understand how widespread time-wasting is among teams who are winning, if you're tied, um, and then if you're losing. And so I think we can kind of probably guess based on our just you know, own watching of soccer, who does the most time wasting. Um, and so, you know, they did this series of analyses that completely confirm what we know, which is kind of interesting. But the way in which they did it from a statistical kind of methods perspective is pretty interesting. So Kevin, you, you may find this paper, uh, you know, you may want to like read the actual method yeah. section and, and figure that out. But can I make a guess without reading the paper? And I don't know, the results in the like the experiment, and the results might be or the analysis and the results might be completely different than this and not like kind of solving for this. My 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 wild uh, hunch that's not intuitive, I would say that. Like. Uh, I, I would say that te teams who are actually tied end up time wasting more than teams who are, who are winning in a weird way. Uh, uh, no. So it's actually okay. teams who are winning. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but they did look at like goal kicks. So, um, was there time wasting as related to a goal kick, right? Where the keeper like starts on one side of the field and then runs to the other side of the field or like adjusts their shin guards or ties their shoes or drinks their water. Right. This all just irritates me at baseline because I just, <laughs> it, it, at, in the same kind of way as you mentioned, Kevin, right? I just find it like morally wrong. Like <laughs> your job is to be playing the game. Like you have plenty of time to fix your shin guards at some other point. They right? are like, playing the game, Laura Ellen. <laughs> right, which is where I'll get to. Um, so anyway, at the end of this complicated analysis, and I, I don't want to get into it because I'm sure most people don't even care, um, but the authors were like, hey, time wasting is a thing. It happens a lot. Uh, and we should, one thing that they proposed at the end of the paper is they were like, well, we should, one strategy is to just stop the game clock when time wasting happens. And so, right, it is on the officials, right? It's always the referees who need to make the changes, of course, right? Anyway, there's my bias and, and the, the paper, the authors did not say that, but um, the, the officials need to stop the game clock so that, right, and this is the best strategy for combating time wasting. Okay, so that was the first paper. Let's get into the second paper and then the interesting stuff. So the second paper, I thought, I thought the title was funny. Um, analysis of time wasting in English Premier League football matches, evidence for unethical behavior in final minutes of close contests. Uh, anyway, it also came out in 2019. It really, it really leaves you thinking, what is that article about, right? <laughs> I know, right? Um, so uh, these authors looked at um, the 2014-2015 season in the EPL. So it's a little dated. Uh, this paper also came out in 2019. If you know anything about, about the peer review process to get research published, uh, the data don't seem that old, at least to me. Um, I found, I just find, um, I found these two things just funny about their paper. They mentioned that their approach was based on crime prevention theories that exist um, and that were proposed in the 1960s. And also they mentioned Chinese military strategy. What? I just found it hilarious. Like you're like, this is very serious. Uh, but they also mentioned what I love that they like had 
Shouldn't you probably use a more modern crime prevention theory than no, man. You know, I, Gerard, I mean, Gerard is sitting on the sidelines reading The Art of War right now. Like, yeah. that's, how, that's how managers are getting through. Um, uh, as someone who has done a little bit of um, criminology work, um, no, no, we are heavily still relying on very old and outdated uh, crime prevention strategies in this country. Anyway, um, that's not what we're talking about. Um, as an aside, they had no funding for this paper, which meant that they did this in their free time. And like, I was like, y'all are trying to make this really serious, a thing that you were just interested in in your free time. (laughs) Anyway, so what they found, they looked at things a little bit differently and they looked at the goal difference. So like if you were winning by more than three goals, so if you're winning by one goal, if you're winning by two goals or three goals, like, does that affect how much time wasting you do? Which I was like, oh, that's really interesting, right? Because the chances of you catching up, if you know, or the other team catching up, uh, if you are winning by three goals is pretty slim. Um, so, and then they broke down the, in their analysis, they broke down the game by quarters instead of just looking at the halves, which I thought was interesting, right? Because if you're winning by one goal, in the final quarter of the game, right, your approach will be much different. And that's actually what they found. So they found that um, if a team is winning only by one goal, then there's significantly more time wasting in the second half of the game, you know, the third and fourth quarters, even though we, right, we don't, we don't play quarters. Um, And again, uh, and, and right, like I read it, I was like, yep, okay, sure. That's, you know, that's interesting. I think we all knew that. But again, this is, um, new data that they had access to blah 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 so it's like an advance for the methods and also just confirms all the things that we as fans already know again what did they recommend of course we put it on the referees that we need to be stopping the game clock um but they also were like oh you know this is hard to do consistently okay so now so so right i read these two articles this afternoon i didn't work today which was lovely so anyway so i read these two articles and i was like okay this is where I'm standing on things. Then I went for my walk to get toward my 1,000 miles. And I listened to the Radio Lab podcast episode from this week. And so they were talking about um, f- stories of flops. And so they were talking about flops in basketball, which are, you know, similar to dives in soccer, right? And so <laughs> apparently, at some point, Mark Cuban, who is the owner of the San Antonio Spurs, the NBA team, hired a team of bioengineers to study if there was a way to objectively determine if a basketball player was flopping in a basketball game. Because from Mark Cuban's perspective, right? From Mark Cuban's perspective, it was like flopping was ruining the entire game, right? And he like spent all this money, right? I guess if you're a billionaire, you can spend money on whatever you want. And so for him, he was just so upset about this that he like spent this money, hired these people. Anyway, you should definitely listen. I also have that link for you, Mike, right? You should definitely listen to this article. It's like, or this this podcast. So they talked with the bioengineers who did this, this work for Mark Cuban. Hilarious, right? Okay. Well, they didn't find anything. There's no objective way to measure, right? Like if so, like there's no way to like actually tell if someone is actually being pushed over, right? Or oh, the Mavs. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Burger Brand, the Mavericks. That's who. I don't. What do I? I don't, I don't know NBA. Basketball. I know. I yeah, so yeah. I would have done it. And it, 
the, the Pittsburgh Spurs. Yep, sure. Yeah. The <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, but so they interviewed someone else kind of outside. Sorry, this is very long, but this is where my this. So I'm taking my walk. I'm listening to my podcast as as one does. And so I'm listening and someone that they had on and I'm and I don't know this person's name, but I think they're a, a, a sports journalist or a former player of some kind. But this person was saying like, hey, players are incentivized to win at all costs. Right. So like we want our professional athletes to win at all costs. And so to your point, what you said earlier, Kev, right, they are winning at all costs, right? They're doing what they're incentivized to do. Players get bonuses based on how many games they win, the number of goals they get, you know, like their stats. And so can we really blame them for actually doing what they're incentivized to do and certainly from our like high horse on the couch on saturday mornings saturday nights you know sunday mornings whatever we can say oh well i just i don't like the diving i don't like the time wasting i don't like the arguing with refs but like when your livelihood and like you the short window of time that you are being a professional athlete and you're time that you have spent all this time and energy and resources to make money is so defined and you're incentivized to win like can we really get mad at you for like trying to circumvent the rules in some kind of way to do what you were incentivized to do and so and 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 then he the this person so he didn't say it exactly like that but i was like oh well yeah and and right like Sure, there are things that are objective, right? You know, how long are keepers actually supposed to hold the ball, right? It's like three seconds or something. Mm -hmm. Do they actually enforce that rule? Absolutely not. Does it drive me crazy? Absolutely not, right? But like my experience playing soccer was in, in high school, right? I wasn't paid. It was for the love of the game. It was because I was passionate about it. It was because... I needed to not get in trouble after school. And my parents told me I had to play soccer, right? I mean, that's not really the reason, but you know what I'm saying? So I think my perspective has shifted a little. A little. Um, either we need to find different incentives. Uh, yeah. So I need to take a drink. So Kev, you should definitely tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> no, I love I love the, especially towards the end, you said like the the incentive structure around it. I can, yeah, completely agree. I mean, um what uh, a famous investor has a line that sticks in my head is show me the incentive and I'll show you the result. And yeah, you're absolutely right. When, and like to even kind of push that further. I mean, a lot of these players have teams of people around them to support their brand that these people rely on, you know, their, their financial income of, of individual players. And, um, so no, I I completely I completely get it. But I I, I the, the question I'd put back to you, Laura, it seemed like if I was understanding your uh, your tone, um, it's it seems like you were like, well, you don't want to put everything on the refs, but at the same time, players are incentivized to do this. So do you do you have any idea? Like I don't know what to do short of. you know like so now that you have like an ear like you know refs have an earpiece in their in their ear they they, var checks and all this other stuff if 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 someone just said like all right time's up give the guy a yellow card um and then they just do that but you know so someone else is kind of keeping track of it or whatever and they can get this input and just say okay yes that was a rule break 
you have to stop play and then give them the yellow card and just start policing it more that way. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Mike, it seems like you were going to say something. Yeah, well, no, it, that sort of brings me to a question. I think that that uh, over time, I think anybody who is a casual soccer fan will sit down and watch, and you often hear them go, oh, I like it, but I could do without the diving. Or like, oh, you know, like, why are they rolling around like they're actually hurt? Like, that's terrible. We need to get that out of the game. Is this a problem that should be fixed or should be solved? Or do we see this as a necessary evil of these athletes who are incentivized to win at all costs in direct competition with the refs and those that are trying to uphold the rules of the game? Because it feels like the alternative is either you tell the refs, Laura Allen, like you're saying, tell the refs to be more stricter with the rules in the hope that it basically tames some of that back. Um, I mean, you, you, you know, you look back at the Premier League 10, 15 years ago and guys are like shoving each other over. Like it's just like brutal compared to what it is now. And so there definitely has been a softening of the rules, but Back to the initial question, after you, you know, Laura Ellen, you did, I was gonna say after you guys did research, Laura Ellen, after you did research, yeah, and I Kevin, after you absorbed the research <laughs> that Laura Ellen did, has your, has your thoughts on, I shouldn't even say has they changed, where have your thoughts landed on whether or not there's actually anything that should be done about this? Laura Ellen, where do you stand on this? Yeah, so I think, I think it's, um, for me, it's multifaceted, which probably isn't surprising. So I think on, on one hand, I think there needs to be an acknowledgement that the game of soccer evolves and changes, right? Like think about the, uh, I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, there's lots of examples, with, you know, whether it be like substitutions as it relates to COVID and like the frequency of games, but then the acknowledgement right that hey because we're asking these players to play so many games right it's for the safety of the players it's like water that breaks they... and stuff yeah right yeah right yeah. like there's there's lots of adaptations that have changed that have that have occurred uh over time and so right maybe this is just one of them i don't know right and and i so i think that's one thing that we should allow the sport to evolve um so I think that's part A. I think. But hold on, hold part... on. As part of part A, do you have any thoughts on how it evolves? Like, is it evolving to just uh, make this be okay? Like, th- is this something like the clock counting up that like Americans are just going to have to get used to? That's part of the game, and you don't have to like it, but that's just what it is. Or do you think it evolves in another direction where? eventually it gets snuffed out. And I'm not asking you to say how it gets snuffed out, but that it should be snuffed out. Yeah, why don't you yeah, solve I, soccer for us? You come just, like, on, Laura. Like, this is what I brought you. I mean, if you really want me to, I will. I think, I think for me, I, I think for me, kind of where I continually land uh, is player safety. And so, right, like time-wasting doesn't i guess unless it's like 200 degrees outside right like doesn't necessarily uh hurt players right um 
being, you know, lying about if the ball touched your foot before it went out of bounds, right? Like that doesn't necessarily hurt. I think, and and I think this is where like the diving can come in and like, okay, if, you know, someone like Neymar who, you know, also in my opinion, dives way too much, right? Like what happens when he actually gets hurt, right? Is the ref going, like, it's like the boy who cried wolf. So, so I do think player safety needs to take, you know, um, top priority. Uh, And then, but I think outside of that, I think the game has evolved and should continue to evolve in some kind of way, given, you know, not to sound... Well, I'm just going to say it, right? Like, given the capitalistic nature of soccer in the world, right? Like, this is the way it's going to be unless capitalism falls apart, which isn't going to happen. So anyway, um, so so I think that's part of it. I do think when it comes to um, uh, encouragement of or, or empowering um, officials to apply the rules more i i don't really like the term policing but like policing more of the game we know that it happens inconsistently and that you know and there have been there have been research studies that have shown that um in 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 the mlb right like baseball players of color are more likely to have strikes called against them right and so there's like an economic the same research has been done in uh, the NBA. Um, and I don't know if there's re- research in soccer, but there's definitely commentary in pieces that have been written about, you know, right. that as well. And I, yeah, and I will say that. that there may or may not be a piece of research being worked on. Wink, wink, nod, to nod. this point. And I will speak no further. So um, just because it's not ready for prime time yet. So anyway, but all that to say, right, like if we are asking, if we are then putting it on the officials to enforce the rules more, even to the letter of the law, right? There are all these implicit biases that we know about that like then the rules will be applied um, unevenly and it will, um, you know, and, and we think about the USL, like think about, how many players of color that we have, right? How many black player, you know, we have folks from the Caribbean, from, um, you know, Ghana, you know, all these different places, right? Like how can we, anyway, um, I could go on and on. So if you really, <laughs> so all that to say that I, that I don't think like, I, I don't think putting it on the officials, like the officials already like suffer enough, right? And like, uh, there's a, a good researcher on Twitter that I follow who does, um, uh, research. Uh, I believe he's based out of um, the UK, but he does research looking at uh, the experiences of uh, soccer referees and officials um, kind of at lower levels, but also in, in professional, in the professional game. So, uh, and it's, and it's horrifying, right? I was to say, in the abuse, officials have to go through. The abuse that they get, not that like any financial payment is worth any abuse, but like, I think like Premier League refs get paid like sixty thousand dollars a year. Like for the crap that they have to go through and the death threats they get and just the you know, to be paid sixty thousand dollars. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll nope. find another job. <laughs> so let me, yeah. okay, Kev, I'm going to kick this over to you. But from what I'm hearing from Laura Ellen, you know, a proposition that I'll throw your way and we'll see what your thoughts are. We didn't set out in this conversation to solve it. I think it's just sort of like my nature to think like, how do we wrap this up nicely? Like, you know, and it almost feels like, <laughs> I know, Sorry. right? I, you know, I'm not from, you know, your guys's world. That's just sort of how I think. Um, so, but it sounds like, Laura Ellen, your point about player safety, I think, is a really big point. And if we're trying to take some of the burden off of the refs, it feels like there are certain areas in which we could take some of that burden off of the ref to make certain decisions. So it could be things like throw-ins, like, uncontested you can test the throw-in like immediate card and like that sort of snuffs that out right away or like goal kicks literally you leave it up to the team and they start putting like five like on the jumbotron so you get fans counting down that'd be really fun the keeper but i'm just saying so you could do stuff like that around areas that aren't related to player safety while still giving the refs there's always going to be that gray area of that spectrum of like total dive and like two could be concussed that like the ref is going to have to play in and soccer is in a lot of ways becoming like any other sport. I was going to say like hockey where you just have these big bodies just flying around on the field and you can't stop on a dime at times. And sometimes it's intentional that you grab somebody's shirt and you pull them down with you. And sometimes it's unintentional and to have a black and white, uh, uh, um, determination about what's happening is it, it just doesn't feel like it's possible, but there are areas that are black and white, Kevin, to your point of throw-ins, goal kicks, things like that, that could potentially be removed from the game and make things slightly more enjoyable um, and make it seem like players are whining less. But Kev, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on all of this? Well, what? So we agree that throw-in, contesting a throw-in is worse than diving, right? I've, I've, I've convinced <laughs> you of that. That's, that's, I think that's I think we need sorry. to we need to <laughs> you need to define the context. So, like, are you a terrible person because you can tend to throw in versus diving in the box? And I think does it that, matter if you're a terrible person and you're just really good at soccer? Like, right, <laughs> right, that's, right. That's right. It doesn't that's, matter if you win. Do we care? if you're you know the wait, wait what's the question what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you're, my you're only supposed- goal was to set out to convince you that contesting a throw in was worse than diving <laughs> anything else is great and it's gravy on top and i'm happy to talk about it but you're just gonna have I to don't, ask me I more don't, directly like you have not convinced me of that like i don't i don't feel that i feel like we've had a lot of conversation around the morality of what about, lying what about the to somebody in a black and white situation what about the same um, i'll settle for it's the same if it is an intentional dive if it's somebody gets their head into the box and there's no contact and they flop to the ground then i would say that it is the same as intentionally calling for a throw-in when you know that you were not the one that touched the ball the the stakes of the situation are drastically different absolutely but on a morality standpoint you are actively lying you're in that black and white zone where you are active you know instinctively that you are trying to convince somebody of something that did not happen you're trying to gain an unfair advantage or an undeserved advantage Yes, I will buy that. 
But I think that the penalty issue brings in. No, I'll just leave it at that. Lord, at the same you time, you convinced that at the same time you you reprimand if your child steals in in an iPhone case, you reprimand them all the same. But secretly, you're like, at least he didn't steal a MacBook Pro, right? No, like, no, because then you're like, <laughs> they couldn't fit a MacBook Pro out in their jacket, so that could have been like the next thing. So. Yeah. Or you're like, like son or daughter, why didn't you steal the MacBook Pro? Exactly, that's right. Oh my gosh. The iPhone case is the gateway drug to the MacBook Pro. Exactly. Oh, no. This is, I've officially dragged this podcast down to where I live and that's all I wanted to do. I I have uh, two things that I'd like to add. Uh, uh, I'm sure you have more than two things. I mean, I really do, but I'm going to keep it to two. Um, the first one is that uh, Liz and I, for Soccer Better, one of our early episodes was about VAR. And one of the, the research articles that we found was in the, especially in the early application of VAR, um, and especially when using slow motion, uh, their officials tended to um, have like harsher penalties because there's this like perception of intent when you watch things in slow motion um so anyway um mike i can add that to the list of links that you can put in the show notes um and or people can just i don't know search it somewhere i don't know are, are all they're all on they're like all iTunes. Online. yeah yeah i don't yeah. know people can find them uh so that's the first thing the second thing i think when it comes to morality like first of all that's like way above my pay grade to decide like <laughs> where the lines of morality lie. Uh, but second of all, like, I guess it comes back to, in, like, for me, it comes back to incentives and it comes back to, right? Like, do we just want to just, what, like, what are my, why do I watch Brighton, right? Why do we watch the Riverhounds? We want to be entertained. We are like, you know, for me, I am invested in this team that like by a weird, you know, for Brighton, I'm invested in this team that by a weird string of circumstances, I started following and then fell in love with. I'm wearing my Brighton shirt today. Right. Like, I, right. Like I am now invested in the club and the owner who is like one of the best owners in the EPL, frankly. Right. He like grew up as a Brighton fan and like goes to, anyway. We could go on, right? But, like, why do I watch the games? I watch the games because I'm invested in the community that they've created as an entity. And, like, yes, I am thrilled that we're winning the season, that we're currently eighth in the Premier League. Like, that's amazing beyond my wildest expectations for this season. But do I, like... I, I don't I don't know like do I care if the players are good pe- good quote unquote people or not I let me I don't know. let me do hold I on care if they're good ethical players me, maybe I don't want them to be dirty like I don't want anybody getting kicked in the back but like do I care if they're like ref no that's my throw in I don't know let me let me let me let me try to quantify this for you okay Laura Allen Brighton before you do that I just want to say, I completely agree anyway keep going okay Brighton won this past um, this is like a this is a fictitious scenario brighton won this past weekend because of a penalty on a blatant dive are you a do you a not care because they won b are you indifferent or c are you upset because they won off of a blatant dive
Oh, you're muted. You're you're muted, Laura Ellen, or we might have lost your audio there for a second. While Laura Ellen tries to get it back, hold on. We still can't hear you. Kevin, I'm going to ask you the exact same question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Laura Ellen, feel free to chime in whenever. So, Kev, not Brighton, but it's Liverpool. Sure. Salah blatantly dives, gets away with it, Mm -hmm. gets a PK. Liverpool beat Chelsea on the weekend. Yeah. Are you happy? Are you indifferent? Or are you upset? I, I, it's two outcomes for me. Um, if it's like Chelsea or United or City, and we get an undeserved penalty, win the game in the 95th minute, I am loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. I think it's great, and it's wonderful. If that happens against like Burnley, and like Liverpool are playing like crap, and we get an undeserved penalty in the 94th minute, and we score and we win, I feel a little dirty about it. Um you know, that's so it's like it's context with that. But I would say it in the end, I would argue that this isn't, you know, this isn't this isn't like a political appointment, right? Like this isn't like you know, at the end of the day, this is drama. This is actors on a stage for our entertainment. So some people might love that. Great. It doesn't matter. Like some people might hate it. Great. It doesn't matter. Someone, someone mentioned Neymar before, like the Neymar equivalent for me is like Bruno Fernandez every time he rolls on the ground. And, you know, I naturally don't like United naturally don't like Bruno Fernandez. You can make the argument that like, even though I hate when he does that, maybe the entire circus of it all actually enhances it for me because now I have a villain that I even hate even more. And that draws me. So yeah, I completely agree that like it, it doesn't matter. Like it's, you know, it's, I was gonna say, it's for the drama of it all, but your response that it varies depending upon the opponent in the situation. It's whatever means, story is nicer for me, but that's you. Yeah. You're not watching a, a, equally regulated athletic event that is trying to determine who the best athletes are. You are watching a soap opera that has a narrative and has a story. And that's, and that's what you're trying to, and, and and this isn't the Olympics at a 200 meter dash, right? Yeah. Yeah. As long as you have an interesting story, then you as a fan do not care. And so therefore the players should we expect the players to care or are they simply characters in a larger story that is meant to entertain us and the actively trying to deceive the ref to get an upper hand is part of that narrative that we as fans just have to accept. You kind of okay, lost me so in the middle you, of it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, you're back, Laura Ellen, you're back. Okay, I'm sure my audio isn't as good. I don't know. Ugh, I hate technology. Um, uh... I will say that like even the 200 meters in the Olympics isn't equal, right? Because the, t- the, the runners from, um, you know, Sri Lanka, I, I just randomly thought of Sri Lanka, right? Don't have access to the same nutritionists and maybe did not grow up with the, the luxuries that like a, a kid with, I, I don't know, right? Like you get my point. Um, yeah. I, I completely so, agree. I, I guess the, the point I was trying to make is it feels like a more controlled experiment. 
like you're running an experiment in a in a you know controlled laboratory versus out in an open field with a bunch of random variables. It feels yeah, like it I, feels slightly more controlled, but I, I completely yeah get no yeah. yeah. So and and what I would say um, uh, to you, uh, Mike, your your question earlier. I think in the moment I would be like frustrated. I I I, th I do think I would be frustrated because um, someone put in the chat right like this the penalty. I do think it should have been called a penalty. I think it was a penalty. Was there probably some amount of diving that happens? Probably, but like, fine, like give the penalty. I mean, he missed it. So that makes me probably feel different about it. Um, but um, I, I, oh, I, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, I, I think when it comes to like the whole con the context of the whole season, I think right after the game, right, right after the, the next day or two days later, like I can be so frustrated, right? There was that game. What was it? Two seasons ago against Manchester United where like at, like after stoppage time had ended, they like called a penalty kick. That was the best. Uh, and I was like, you know, and, and so but like within the context of an entire season, it's like points are won and lost. And, and I don't know, from my perspective, I think, I would hope it just all kinds of kind of comes out in the wash. Although I will say it doesn't do man United like, always get more points. <laughs> well, what I was just about to say, I do think the like historical, the historic like top clubs get preferential treatment. And I think it, when you have like officials and a system that has benefited from, right, exactly has benefited from their success. I, I, I and I don't think it's intentional. I don't think that the, I don't think the, the referees are like, and now we are going to just give Liverpool a little bit extra, give Chelsea or City or whatever. Like, I, I don't think that's how, I, certainly I hope not. And I, I don't think it is, but um, I just think there's like this, this implicit um, thing. Anyway, we are like way over and I'm sure people are going to be like, good Lord, stop talking. Yeah, Steve's, uh, Steve's coming after Liverpool. I don't mind it at all. Keep, keep going, Steve. <laughs> In the chat, Steve said, like, if anyone, did on um, uh, you know, I, I, I will just say, if anyone needs like a wholesome club who like really cares about their community <laughs> holistically, who, yeah, who, whose women's team is also like in the top of the women's Premier League, right? Like, this feels like capitalism, Laura Ellen. Come on, yeah, what right. are you doing? Welcoming, are you running right. ads Welcoming. on our show? What are you doing? Listen, um, I am part of the the stateside seagulls group. So if any, we have a really wonderful WhatsApp uh, uh, group. So if anyone wants to join, just let me know, and we can uh, we can uh, be together right. in in happy blissful harmony. So so my attempt to wrap this up because not that I expected any sort of resolution, but. It feels like the if I had to summarize this conversation and you guys can feel free to just say like, yeah, you're right or no, you're wrong. And we won't get into it much more. And than we'll that. talk for so another hour. <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> but the general the, the gist is that we as fans should just while while that isn't while diving, while, you know, calling for thrones when it's not yours, time wasting while that is an obvious point of the game to point at and criticize as fans, it is also one of those, um, I don't want to call it a necessary evil, um, but it is something that we also need to learn to accept as a 
fuel for the drama of the sport that we love. You can't separate that out from some of the other components. And if you really wanted to, there are ways that we could empower the referees to snuff out parts of it, but there are other parts of it that we feel that because of player safety, you just can't snuff out. Um, and it's, you know, there's always going to be some level of diving. There's always going to be some form of question balls that you're going to want to hate the route. And if you want to get rid of other areas like time wasting on throw-ins or goal kicks, we could do that. But also understand that the players doing that become the villains in a story that you like to tell when you ultimately become the hero. And so therefore you can't have the hero without the villain. And that's just sort of where it kind of ends up. Does that sound right? For the sake of time, God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would say. Uh, Yeah, no, I would. Go ahead. Go ahead, Laura. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, um, yeah, everyone is, everyone is welcome to, to join Brighton. And, um, okay. Moving on. Hold on, hold on, one more thing. The only thing I'm going to say is, right, like, for all of us who are listening to this, I'm going to guess, right, like, our financial well being is like completely separate, I guess, unless we're like investing our entire wealth or something into the outcomes of these games. But like, just our, our, just entire, our money and nights, like, no big deal. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, like, our well being is like, it's, it's entertainment, right? Like, right. it is a game. It is just a game. We love it, right? Like, we spend a lot of money purchasing things and tickets and plane flight, you know, all the things, right? But like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And like, that's part of like the exciting part of it. And it's also, you know, it's helpful to just like keep that in mind also. And I think where it does matter is when players get hurt. And I don't know, that's that's where I land. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like it, <laughs> Burger Brand <laughs> just said this whole show today was use capitalism and showcase Brighton. Um, it, it very much is in line with the whole conversation about should players in football celebrate? Like it's entertainment. You're there to watch a show. And sometimes this is just part of that show. And while we always look for morality and laws within the entertainment, sometimes you just have to take it for what it is. And so it can sound defeated. There are things that you could do if you feel really passionate about it, but there are some things that are likely never going to change. And I agree that like looking at slow down footage is the wrong way to go because you get a skewed percent. People don't move at, you know, millimeters at a time. Like, and so to hold somebody to their intent based on a fraction of a second is oh, not man. very, that, either, could, so. that could launch the part two of this. In, yeah. Know, we're we're going to let the, the whole, we're gonna let like, <laughs> is offsides binary or should it be binary or whatever? Yeah. Anyway. Ooh, yes. Let's have this conversation. Join I us enjoyed this. I enjoyed next this week. It was fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we do. Maybe we do his offside binary next week. I don't know. We'll see what yeah, people think. Fun. Maybe we'll have Danny Griffin on, and he could have that conversation with us about his offside. <laughs> binary. Interesting to, yeah, get a player perspective. Yeah, maybe we'll try to get a few players. That could be fun. Get ca- could be fun. who are who are two players that would be interesting if we got like if Just we pick got the like players Alex... that I've most recently railed on. No, 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 no. What if we got like like oh man, I don't know. What if we got Dixon? And Williams. 
if we get like a forward and a yeah. defender and have the conversation yeah. about his offside binary, like that could be, that could be interesting. Or I think it's more interesting, the whole like, you know, intentionally deceiving the ref. I think that'd be interesting to get a player perspective as well. Well, and then you'd have two different sides of that too. Yeah. We could just do a whole like, hey guys, join us for three hours. Yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> I feel like the, the Riverhounds, you know, the Riverhounds, what, like, pr- like press manager, player managers, whatever, they're going to be like, no, we're not giving you the players <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> like, if you want to ask them about, you know, what it's like to be a Riverhound, great. But, like, no, we're not listen, them up listen. For this. Maybe, maybe we can get, like, some former players. Maybe we can get Kevin Kerr to come talk about his experience. That feels, that feels more the official. Listen, I know that Mikhail Williams and Alex Dixon are listening right now, so I'm just waiting for them yeah. to jump into the chat and <laughs> yeah. just tell us they're all in, and we're good to go. So it's yeah. no problem. They have so, so many better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this one. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed sort of this more in-depth conversation to these sort of gray area topics. Obviously, it sounds like, you know, should, should offsides be binary could be another topic that we get into. In addition to, like we said, talking to players and coaches and all of that, like we always try to do in the offseason. So if you have thoughts or ideas about things that you'd like us to, to discuss, let us know. Otherwise, I think at least for the next few weeks, we'll probably try to stagger every other week because once we get into the season, it does get to be a bit grueling um, going every week. So we'll try to take a little bit of time. So we'll probably talk to you guys again in two weeks. But otherwise, Laura Ellen, it was it's it's always fantastic talking to you, but we appreciate you coming in and doing some actual research since half the time Kevin and I just like pull crap out of the air yeah, and sell crap. it as truth. So, you know, you bring a level of validity to this podcast that we normally don't have. And that includes with Josh here. Um, so, you know, <laughs> appreciate you appreciate you stopping by. Um, that wasn't yeah, a direct shot at Josh. That was a shot at all three of us. But yeah, yeah. no, we're all crap. Yeah. <laughs> fortunate to uh, have many years of education and training and access to university libraries that get me uh, access to uh, lots of lots of research that other amazing scientists have done. And so I'm happy to uh, share in the wealth. Yeah. And for more of that wealth, make sure that you go check out Soccer Better that Laura Ellen does with Liz. I'm not plugging Brighton. I'm plugging Soccer Better, um, (laughs) which is a great show. And as Laura Ellen mentioned, some of the uh, articles and and stories that she referenced in this episode um, were previously referenced in Soccer Better episodes. So if you'd like more details on any of that stuff that we talked about, you can go check that over there. And then we will post uh, the links to some of the articles that you referenced in the show notes as well. So if you want to do some more in-depth reading, like I know Kevin will, you can go check that out over there. So thank you everyone for, uh, for tuning in. Happy new year. Make sure you go to uh, mongols.com, click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Weekly reminder that black lives still matter and always will matter. Thanks to roughneck scarves official. Oh wait, hold on. I'm so out of practice. I completely forgot to throw our graphics up, man. I am out of it. Let's try this again, shall we? Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old cookie cutter jersey templates from Nike and Adidas. Looking for unique, completely custom kit. Now my, now my oh, there we go. Okay, now, now it's gone. We're having all sorts of technical difficulties. What is going on oh, over yeah. here? Oh, man. We're not going to get cut from Microsoft. Here we go. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter (laughs) templates from Nike and Adidas. Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team. Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. 
com. We're not even going to plug BGN because you guys know about BGN. Thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Bye.